Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you from Indianapolis, NFL Scouting Combine, as we are deep in it now. We have been here since Monday. It's been great <laughs> to be a part of this NFL extravaganza, Johnny, and it really is an extravaganza. We're going to get AFC South voice Mike Keith from the Tennessee Titans in here a little bit later, J.P. Shadrick, who covers the Jags so well, and college football at large. And, man, this is such a confluence of college football, pro football, football in general. The league year hasn't even started yet, but you feel the buzz. Super Bowl well in the rearview mirror, but it wasn't that long ago. It feels like, hey, everyone's 0-0. Let's go for 2022. Yeah, no doubt. And this actually was the site of the national championship, college national championship yeah. here. Georgia and Alabama played just a, a few uh, hundred well, yards. A few hundred yards over that way. So it's been interesting to see some of those Georgia players kind of walking through here with a little bit of a little bit of swagger, if you yeah. will. Oh, yeah. I mean, those Georgia players are uh, – it, it's interesting. One of the things that stood out to me, Mark, on Friday, Jamari Sawyer is a uh, – is a ta- we played tackle at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Probably going to play guard in the league, and I really like him as a player. I mean, he's on a Harris 100. I think he's in the 60 region. And they played that game on January 10th. The Senior Bowl was the next week. He went to the Senior Bowl and did everything at the Senior Bowl. Then he comes here to Indianapolis, and he's one of maybe a half of the offensive linemen. Maybe not even half, maybe a third. He's one of a third of the offensive linemen that did the bench press. And it just got me thinking about the desire to compete. Yeah. And I know scouts talk about that. And I know sometimes a lot more is made of it. Oh, this guy chose not to compete. He chose not to do this. He chose not to do that. This guy's not running because, oh, people don't want to know that he's not fast or whatever the case might be. And I just see a guy like that. And I heard Jordan Davis earlier today, nose tackle, say, I'm doing everything, bro. I'm doing everything. I'm testing. I'm doing everything. And you just love to hear that. But when you hear it coming from, like, one particular university, you go, you know what? I think I kind of like the Georgia guys. Is it safe to say this, though, that if you don't lift, it's not really going to hurt you? No. But if you do lift, it'll probably help you, yes. especially if you do halfway decent, right? Yes. And they're not looking for you to break a record. Right. But they want to make sure that you have some yeah, functional strength. Of, yeah, functional yeah. strength. Good way to put it here in the bench press arena, which is just a few feet from us, really, as you might hear some microphone sound coming your way or our way from there soon enough as they'll get another group in here to lift. By the way, uh, Salyer, is he on the Vandermeer 100? I think he would be. Yeah. I think okay. he very well would and be. And the Vandermeer 100, by the yes. way, folks, is uh, people who do well in press conference settings. Johnny has the Harris 100, but yep. I have started the Vandermeer 100. And, by the way, Thomas Booker, defensive lineman from Stanford, yes, he's going to rate very high in the Vandermeer 100. All right? Yeah. No doubt about it. I talked to him about Davis Mills and about their weird COVID season when they had to bolt from Northern California. And he had a lot of cool things to say about Davis Mills. I've got him at 162 in the Harris 200. So well, he's if you, there. If you he's average a- out the number of the Harris 200 mm-hmm. and then the Vandermeer 100 top 10 rating, yeah. I mean, that puts them really high. Yeah. But I don't think they do it that way. No, I, they, they don't. But uh, he's a pretty good football player. He's an interesting guy at 300 pounds. I don't know what his official measurement has been. I've not seen that. Can kind of play anywhere from a five technique and a three four to mm-hmm. a three technique. Can play over the nose if you need him to. He'd be a guy I wouldn't be all that upset about the Texans drafting and bringing him here. Smart dude, pretty thick, quicker for a for a 303 pound guy. So I'll, I'll see what his measurements are, but I think he would be a I think it would be a nice fit day three. You find a player of that caliber, um, and that would be awesome. 
uh, having an opportunity to have it, have it talked to him. But it, just seeing the players, like I, it, it was weird because they're pretty much on schedule here. Like if there's one thing the combine, kind of like the NCAA tournament, it is on time. Yeah. 15 minutes after the game is over, you're sitting in front of the media doing a press conference at the NCAA tournament. Your interview's at 9 o'clock. You're there at 9 o'clock. Well, it was about 9.18, and the defensive lineman had not come out. So it was weird. It was like, wow, this is odd. And there was this throng around Aiden Hutchinson sure. just waiting for Hutchinson to come on out, his dad having played at Cy Fair. It was pretty interesting to listen to him. Not a – not a, I mean, he's, he's grown up in the spotlight, so he gets it. He is not Kayvon Thibodeau. I listened to Thibodeau for a little while. <laughs> Thibodeau, Thibodeau does not care. He will say what is on his mind. Mm-hmm. He was sitting there talking about the New York Giants interview. And he's like, yeah, the Giants were putting me on the spot. And they were trying to – he said it in such a way that it got the follow-up question. And uh, he said something about they were hard on me. They were hard on me. They were hard on me. And so then I'm assuming it was the Giants beat writer or whatever asked the follow-up question. Well, what were they asking? He's like, well, you know, they were just trying to see if I was real. And, and just the way that he went about it, I was like, that dude is going to be gold on the mic. And then he said, oh, no, I want to be Jadavion Clowney 2.0. So he wants to be Jadavion Clowney 2.0. And there's a lot to unpack there. A lot. Like, which a part? Lot. Yes. What? Uh, yeah. As a run defender? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Do you want a double-digit sacks? Yeah. Now, I don't want to slam JD for that. No. Look, health. You should yeah, wish for better health than J.D., especially year one. Well, a lot of years, really. Come yeah. on, let's be honest here. Heck of a player and contributed to the Texans actually having the number one defense in the league in 2016. God, How so about that? Here. I mean, if Kayvon Thibodeau has a year like that, I mean, I just think Clowney got painted with that brush at being number one. He had the hit from the year before. He mm-hmm. just became a sensation. And if, if J.D. could have just played, if J.D. wasn't the number one pick, and did what he did for the Texans. And he played those first two years. He could have been healthy. I think things are completely different how he's perceived. Mm-hmm. I watched that man. You and I both watched that man just terrorize teams. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia 2018. Yeah. He was the best player on the field with all-stars and all-pros all over the place. Clowney dominated that game. He dominated that game. But the thing about Jadeveon was he chose when he wanted to do it. He chose the days, and you could see it. And it wasn't like, oh, okay, I'll do it this day, not not that day. But you could just see it. And I saw it in front of him, and hopefully Kayvon has learned that lesson. In this league, you don't pick and choose. If you want to be a superstar, you show up 24-7, 365. I'm glad to see the NFL is finally doing what I've been asking for and suggesting for years, which is run those 40s in prime time, make yep. it a spectacle. And last night certainly was Ooh. with scorching fast times. Now, when you're watching on NFL Network, the first time you see is unofficial, and they corrected some of the times Correct. later. But one thing I found shocking, I wasn't in the bowl for this. I was watching on the monitor, but you were in the bowl, and you said they don't show the time. They had fans there last night, yes. right? Yes. They don't show the time in the stadium. Correct. What? Yeah, you have right. to show the time. There's no reason not to. I cannot think of one single reason. If the fans at home are seeing it, you should be able to see it. doesn't make sense to me. I, I found a little workaround with that one, although it was like a 20-second <laughs> pause, but I went on my streaming service, mm-hmm. and I got the NFL Network feed because they would show you the time. So I would watch a guy run, and it's interesting. After you you know, you know do this for a while, and mm-hmm. you understand why scouts that have done this for a while, they can sit there, and I asked Nick that question mm-hmm. uh, last week. Do you sit there and 
watch a guy run and go, okay, that's a 4.6 or that's a 4.7. Guess the time. Yeah, you kind of guess the time. So you kind of have an idea. And so Calvin Austin, 5'8", 170-pound wide receiver out of Memphis, he runs his first 40. And I just remember thinking, he ran it. And the fans in the stadium don't know what the time is. But the fans, he's running towards the fans. And the fans, for one of the few times, they started clap Like, they, like, cheered. Because mm-hmm. they knew. I watched. I was like, I knew two. So I went to my streaming service. I waited another 20 seconds. 4-3-2. Oh, man, that's smoking. And they ran those times all night. Now, Tyquan Thornton from Baylor ran an unofficial 4-2-1. And went back and found the official time is 4-2-8. Now, 4-2-8 is nothing to scoff at. I mean, of course not. It's nothing it's to scoff at. It's crazy fast. It's nothing to scoff at. But, but seven-tenths or seven-one-hundredths yeah, off? Yeah. It, that, that's a eh, – it, ha- it happens. And it happened to Chris Olave. He ran 4-2-6. His official time, I think, was 4-3-8. So it was, his was off significantly. That's way off. The key with Thornton was the all-time best time is John Ross's 4.22. And right. Thornton's unofficial at 4.21. It was like – did he just do it? So you're all waiting for the official times. Either way, the receivers scorched the track on Thursday night. Yep. Scorched the track. And it was amazing to see how fast. And I got to thinking about that later on, Mark. Those used to be times that DBs ran. Yeah. It was a different game. DBs ran those times because players were going over. Defensive backs were going over. Players with that speed were going over to defense. Well, now, in college in particular, they're staying on the offensive side of the ball. Those offensive playmakers, offensive head coaches are like, no, 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 no. We're not winning this thing with defense. We're going to put this fast guy, we're going to put him in a slot, and he's going to run by a, a quarter playing safety, and he's going to go catch football for a touchdown, and he's going to do that a lot. So that's why you see these these times in these 40s. It's unbelievable. Sky Moore, 4-4-1 from Western Michigan. Um, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson went 4-3-6, 4-3-8. Like, my goodness, Calvin Austin went 4-3-2. Wondell Robinson, 4-4-1. I mean, these dudes were flying last night. And how about this one? This is a guy that I, I love. And I and I saw him in 2019. I think it was the first time I saw him. I may have seen him in 2018, but I saw him in 2019 for sure because I was studying Trey Lance. And Lance uncorks a deep ball early in one of the games I was studying. It may have been Jacksonville State. And he launches one. And this number one seems to come out of nowhere and I'm like yo I mean we've seen enough I've seen enough games I'm like okay that dude can run so I look him up and his name is Christian Watson he's from Plant High School in Tampa Florida he's a track guy from Tampa Florida gets no offer from any of the Florida schools takes an offer to North Dakota State sets the thing on fire at the senior bowl he was outstanding Mark check this out six foot four six foot four and an eighth 208 pounds. He had his 10 plus inch hands. He ran a 436, 38 and a half inch vertical, and he had the best broad jump amongst the receivers. 11. What's his name again? Christian Watson. All right. So how does he get through the Florida schools? Exactly. How does that happen? Exactly. That's, That's embarrassing. Point. Was he one of those guys like Jacoby Jones who went to college at like 5'8 and, and shoots up to 6'2, 6'3? It might have been. I mean, it might have been. But there's so many fast athletes in the state of Florida. And then some get painted with this brush of, oh, this is the five-star guy, this is the four-star guy. And those and the universities kind of fall into that. And so a guy like Christian Watson falls through the cracks, and he's like, yeah, I'll go to North Dakota State. FCS power, they'll play on television. They, my family can see me play in Tampa. That dude may have made more money in the last month 
with his performance in Senior Bowl and this performance at the Combine, I got him in the I got him in the sixties. When I put it, when I sent it it in, mm-hmm. I he was one of my regrets because I'm like, I think he should be higher. So I think he's going to end up higher and maybe all the way into the at least the mid thirties. But man, he was outstanding. It's just incredible what he's done. All right, here at the Combine, can we start the name-dropping segment now? Let's do it. All right, name-dropping segment, three, two, one. Here we go. And I'm being facetious here, but this – something about the fans being here in the bowl, that's nice, right? Yep. But I think the really exciting thing about the Combine is who is here, and you don't get to see everybody if you're a fan. Yep. Right. We do. Right. It's great for us. We can relay it to you. So moving this event, so much of this event is just – who you're around because it's a working event. It's a convention of sorts yep. for the entire National Football League. And, Johnny, the people we've run into just in the halls of the convention oh, center and man. around town, and you think about all the former Texans employees, and this, you know, everyone's going to say, well, <laughs> a lot of former Texans employees. Listen, every team every has team. a lot of them. Uh, a lot of former employees. You know, we always talk about how the Texans can claim LaFleur and Sala and all these guys. Well, Washington can claim those guys, too. And you yep. have that going on around the league. Yep. You get my drift. Yep. I mean, I was talking to Jeff Joniak. We had him on the show yesterday yep. of the Bears. And you can imagine in his 20 years with the Bears, all the former guys they have. And yep. we talked to him about Lovey Smith. But seeing folks like Charles London and Mark Lubick, who yep. a lot of people don't know, he's the son of Sonny Lubick, the former uh, – Great college coach, the late college State, coach. Yeah. Uh, but T.J. Yates, Anthony Weaver, I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible to just to just be here and see people. And then, of course, to put faces with, you know, names and faces you see on a podcast. You might, yeah. see, a guy on a, you might see a guy or woman on a podcast and go, oh, and then you see that person live, and you're like, oh, that's such and such from, you know, PFF, or that's somebody from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see those people that with relationships you've built up over the years and, and talked to. And then you start talking to people, and you realize, oh, man, I didn't know you knew that guy. So yeah. mine, mine was the other day with uh, Max Starks, former Pittsburgh Steeler. It was, we, we had a long-ranging conversation because I coached against Max when he was in high school. And so I told him that story about coaching against him. I also told him the story of, you know, Max is 6'8", 345. As a junior in high school, and he, he falls a little late on my quarterback, who is six foot, 165 pounds. <laughs> my quarterback, my quarterback uh, got a little mad about it, took the ball and threw it at Max. So we shared a number of stories. He does a podcast with Clint Sterner. Mm-hmm. His cousin is Trap J, Travis Johnson. And so we talked about the game, the famous game of the roof being open against the Steelers. And he played in that and game. And he played in that game oh, wearing gosh. the black and the other sidelines. That was bad. That it was 2005. Yeah, it's just week interesting. Two. Yeah. Week two at home. And, hey, see, we thought that, uh, <laughs> hey, the Steelers in their uh, black uniforms would, uh, would get hot. Yeah. Well, they got hot in the field. They got hot in the wrong way, in the way you don't want to see them. Yeah get hot all right coming up on the program mike keith voice of the titans will have jp shadrick of jaguars.com to talk about the jags and the entire afc south and afc and nfl and all of it it's coming up on texans radio it's texans radio at the combine mark vandermeer and john harris with you and let's visit with our friend mike keith voice of the tennessee titans who does a lot of other things as well and it's just so great to catch up here we are again. After we're two together. Years. Yes, we're together. And that's the nicest thing. It's great to see everybody. Uh, it feels like we're um, we're almost at a reunion in it a is, way yeah. because we yeah. didn't get to see 
each other for so long. It was nice at the Senior Bowl, and it's been really nice here too. Yeah, you were down at the Senior Bowl, Mike. You and I had a chance to catch up, but you got an opportunity to broadcast a game for Westwood One. It's a little different experience oh, because yeah. Mark and I have talked about this. We've done the fourth preseason game together, which mm -hmm. a lot of times becomes like a sports talk show mm -hmm. as opposed to, hey, it's third and nine, here's the play, et cetera. How was that game with all the different prospects and players because you were doing with Pat and Jim from SiriusXM? It was very strange because – so many guys left on Thursday and Friday. The prospects, the players. The prospects yeah. left. After they had shown well in practice, their agents said, that's enough, yeah. you're gone. And so we didn't know exactly who was going to play. And that was a oh, bit – that's harrowing. <laughs> that was a bit odd yeah. because it's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's not here. And they certainly didn't want to publicize that for, you know, uh, because yeah. some of the better names yep. left the game. Uh, but the game turned out great. Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, both just so incredibly knowledgeable, and it was so much fun to work with them. And it was just a it was a really, really good experience. It was scary yeah, because I didn't know exactly how we were going to do it. They told me, they go, oh, we'll just show up and go. And <laughs> that's not exactly how we roll, is yeah. it, Mark? Not all the time. Not, we sometimes don't, you have to, though. Sometimes you have to. I had to in Jacksonville this year when I got there – 65 minutes before kickoff because of the Southwest pilot's problem. Oh, yeah. And um, that was terrifying. And then I realized I'd picked up the wrong briefcase, and I brought I had brought none of my notes. No. Oh. For the so, Jags game. For the Jags game. Fortunate, oh, my. Fortunately, it was Titans-Jags, so I knew both teams pretty well. Was it the second one? No. It was, it was in the October. First one. But that was the weekend all the pilots called yeah. off, and so – they canceled every flight out of everywhere. I have nightmares about that sort it's of awful. thing. Wait, do you have the play-by-play -play nightmare of, and I have this one, you know how people have recurring dreams of you get to the final exam, you haven't been in class all semester or whatever. I have that one. I have, I can't get to the booth and kickoff is about to happen. I have that one a lot relatively Yeah. where I can't, the elevator's not working <laughs> or my booth is, I can't see the field from the booth. That kind, Do you have stuff yes. like that? Yes, all okay. the time. Or I don't know who's playing. Yeah, um, I've, I've been asked to call a high school game, and I get everything wrong, and the parents <laughs> want me dead. Oh, parents at high schools. Holy smokes. It's a different deal. Oh, it's tough. Mike, Ryan Tannehill, I'm sure this is a question that you've probably gotten nationally, probably what you get locally. What is the – what is the future for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and what's the feeling about Ryan locally – for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's the Titans quarterback. He's going to be the Titans quarterback. Barring something unforeseen, right. knock on wood, he's going to take the first snap on September 11th, and that's the way it is. Um, there are a lot of reasons why, but the number one reason is the Titans are 32-16 and 16 with him behind center. Yeah. Didn't have a great 2021. He did not have a good game against the Bengals. There's no doubt about it. He made a bad choice at the end of that ball game, but – the sample size is such, and where we've been at the quarterback position in the years, what, seven, eight, ten years before that, yeah. uh, almost dating back to Steve McNair, although Matt Hasselbeck had a good year for us. But our quarterback play killed us for years yeah. because they were either unavailable or they didn't play well enough or, I mean, you name it. He has given us stability, and John Robinson is not going away from that. He's got to play better. Right. He, he's got to get back to 2019-2020 Ryan Tannehill. He's got to take care of the ball better. we got to help him more. Right. But you guys saw him in the last game of the season. He won the game for us. Yep. 
Yep. Because the Texans are on a roll. If we don't go down and score right there to make it 28-18, we're losing that ball game. We have lost every bit of momentum. Davis Mills has got our number. You guys have seen that movie before. Yep. When, when you take your foot off the gas – it's hard to get it back on, and the Titans had totally taken their foot off the gas. They lost it. Yep. They they are losing that football game if not for the play the quarterback makes, mm-hmm. which people forget. Yep. He's being sacked. He throws a guy off his back, somehow gets out to the right, completes a 40-yard pass, takes the team down for a touchdown, and then makes the plays in the last drive to keep the ball so Davis Mills doesn't get it back. The bottom line is – that's why he's going to be the quarterback going forward because he has done that for us consistently in 48 games. Boy, this, I had blocked that is, one out. I know, and I, this is why I love this game because I have heard, obviously, your call, Mark, of that play. And I've heard your call, Mike. from Mike's. Right, <laughs> and it's just interesting to listen to the two different versions of the same play from those perspectives because it's knife to the heart to us. Sure. And for you guys, with all that's on the line that oh, day. Yeah. Had to have it. You had to have it, and he somehow gets out of it. And then not only gets out of it, he then throws it up to field, and it's it's just the dichotomy of the two calls was well, what, to me, well, was I, really cool. The point was I was not meaning to rub it in. From oh, no, 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 I no, no. I'm just saying that's forgotten right now right, because right. of what happened in the playoff yeah, game. Yeah, John exactly. Robinson and Mike Vrabel are not forgetting right, that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Ryan's going to be the quarterback. Yeah. No, it's a great point you bring up because number one seed on the line, if you don't get that, I mean, my gosh, then you'll be talking about that game instead of the playoff game. And wouldn't that change the narrative? Because I always think it's interesting in this league, you can take nothing for granted. You're playing a Texans team that hasn't won, you know, they won four games going in. Uh, Look at the Jags and the Colts. You never have to apologize for winning. The Jags and the Colts, Colts would have, could have, should have obviously beaten the Jaguars, get into the postseason. They didn't, but the Titans did their but job. The difference was quarterback play. The yeah. difference was the Titans quarterback play in Houston and the Colts quarterback play against Jacksonville. And in those moments, yeah. you've got to have that guy. Ryan's got to play better. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. Ryan knows that. It's a, it's a different time and a, and a completely different scenario as we move into 2022. But the reality is they're not going to panic just because there's a reaction of a certain way. Mike, offensively, there's no Derrick Henry for a good majority of that season. Defensively, that was a completely different unit. I went into 2021 going, ah, I'll believe it when I see it. We've been sure. talking about Titans defense for a while. And then you went, oh, boy, that defense is different. What are the needs for this team in 2022? Ryan solidified a quarterback, getting Derek back healthy. Let's say those two things happen. How do John and Mike then build this team with what they've already got? Great question. Uh, Because from our standpoint, the challenge is going to be how do they negotiate the cap stuff over the next few weeks? Titans are going to have to make some moves to to figure out the cap thing. What they do – will largely determine the direction they're going to need to go in terms of needs. So when you've had some success, and you know this with the Texans winning the division four times, is you get at those points where you have to make the hard calls. John's going to make the hard calls. And so there will be people who depart, and then they will have to figure out exactly how they do that. Now, on the surface, taking that out, that's the correct answer, but just the overriding, Titans need tight ends. They don't have any tight ends under contract, none. Um, wow. 
none right now. Now they they can get one or two back, and there'll be some in free agency. The draft looks good for that. Yep. Uh, probably going to need help in the offensive line because they're going to have to be moves made in the offensive line in order to free some money. Right. It's going to happen. So you've you've got that defensively. I think they're looking for pass rushers. What you saw, and the reason this defense was better. You run what Mike wants to do. You better have edge guys. Yep. Well, guess what? They had edge guys. Yep. So they're trying to re-sign Harold Landry. Bud Dupree will have a full year. But they're going to want a young guy or two to put into that mix. Yep. And you're always looking for corners. Yep. I mean, we've, we've played corners over the last two years. I mean, we started a couple of corners in a game against Patrick Mahomes that weren't on the team five days before. Yeah. So, you know, you you just got to stock up on those yep. guys. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, defensive backs, it's like left-handed pitching in baseball. You know, absolutely have to have it. All right, so what do you think of what the Jags did in hiring Doug Peterson and where they're headed? Great hire. Great hire. Perfect hire for the quarterback. Guy who's had experience. Guy who's won. Guy who's lost. So so he knows what this game is. NFL guy. Mm -hmm. My whole question about Urban Meyer is could he handle losing? Turns out the answer is no. Right. Because that's I mean, that's what this league is all about. I mean, to use the baseball analogy, you've got to you know, handle the seven times you don't get a hit in order to get the hit in the three other at bats and be a three hundred hitter. Handling failure is part of this. We're all or thirty one teams at least are sitting here right now thinking we didn't win the Super Bowl. The year wasn't great. Only one team has great. You can have good, but you only one team has great and you've got to handle it. Um that's what Doug Peterson will do for them. I don't think they're that far away. I didn't think they were that far away last year. I didn't think they handled what they had very well. Mm-hmm. Um, when we saw them both games, you were kind of left scratching your head some. Unlike what we saw with David Cully and what we saw with the Texans when they played very well and they were competitive. There were points that Jacksonville was like, boy, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. What's going on here in Jacksonville? So – I think the Doug Peterson hire is excellent. So the three of us get a chance to see the Indianapolis Colts twice a year. We lost to them this year. They had our number this year for sure. The Titans had their number this year. Carson Wentz, presumably not the answer. Mike, given what we know about the Colts, what would you do if you're Chris Ballard and Frank Reich at the quarterback position? Million-dollar question. I don't really want to give them any advice. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening. Uh, right. keep, keep Carson. They're, That's what we tell them. They're a few tables I, away. I, um, <laughs> I'd try to trade for one of the veterans. I would get out there. I would offer them whatever it took for Russell Wilson. I would offer the Texans whatever it took for Deshaun Watson. I would be yeah. That's a non-starter for me. Okay, I understand it's no, a, but no, but that's I, I understand it's a non-starter. Um, so I'll ask this but question. That's why I would be right in the middle of that mm-hmm. in order to try to get because listen, that's a real, that's a really good football team. Okay, and that's and that's was, my when that's, he was playing well. They yeah. were they they looked as well, good as anybody. When he wasn't beating them, yeah, <laughs> beating themselves, right. and, and that's the whole thing is when yeah. he was taking care of the football because like it was interesting against us. The, the first game he was hurt. He played on a bad ankle, and yeah. so throw that out. That wasn't fair. The second game, when he was playing well, they were kicking our tails. But then he made mistakes, mm-hmm. yep. and, it, and it beat them. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing is they just – it's almost like they need Frank Reich at quarterback. 
A yeah, guy who just keep it, just keep keep it, it between the, the ditches. I mean, Tannehill would be perfect for them right now. Right. With Jonathan Taylor, oh. with the, I mean, that's that's what they that's what they need at this moment. So the ancillary question or the follow up question to that is, how good is that team if they have a guy of that caliber? They're real good. They are really they're really salty on defense. I mean, really salty. The running back's the real thing. The offensive line, they've spent a bunch of draft capital, a bunch of money on it. I mean, that's a really good football team. They don't have the capital to make a good deal, though. Since they, they don't. Have to ship their one away for, for Wentz. Carson Wentz. My God. I mean, that's, you do. that's the extra kick in the teeth is if they do this and say goodbye to him, they're out $15 million and they're out there one. And they were out of three from last year to go nine and eight. And you're not going to get anything back for him. Really, no of substance. Well, his contract, it's, it's interesting with his contract, of course, they've got to make a decision five days into the league year yep. or else they owe him everything. everything. And so they're, they're on a time crunch. But if they could trade him, um, it's a very friendly contract. You know, that was one of the things is for the next three years, they would have owed him just $72 million. And he would have been just 32 at the end of the contract, meaning – if that had worked, it wouldn't have been a home run. It would have been a grand slam. Yeah. Mike yeah. Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us. What can you tell us about new stadium prospects in Nashville? It's interesting because that's just gotten out uh, oh. that the discussions have changed. I mean, what they got into is our stadium was built. Uh, a lot of the HOK facilities were built almost identical. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati was one. Tampa was one. Pittsburgh was one. They were all kind of the same thing. Um, our land acquisition was about 40% of the cost. The stadium cost $162 million. Oh, my gosh. So they, so they had to get it there, <laughs> get it up, get it going because, you, you know. You can't build the bathrooms now no, for $162 no. million. So what they wanted to do, they had a really great plan, and they've got a really great plan to develop the riverfront. They were going to spend about five $600 million to redo the stadium because everybody likes the location, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Well, they get into it, and it's going to be a million two to do what they thought was going to be six hundred million. A, oh, a billion. A billion two. Billion. Excuse me. A wow. bi- I'm not used to saying you, billion. You just yeah. went Doctor Evil on. I us. know. Yes. With one billion dollars. Um, one point two billion dollars instead of six hundred million. Ooh, Ooh, baby. So now they're saying, okay, if we're going to spend that, mm-hmm. why don't we go ahead and do something in the front parking lots closer to the interstate? Yeah. Right. And then we can keep playing in Nissan Stadium. So let's investigate that. That's what's happening right now. And is that close enough to the river to develop the river? Oh, absolutely. It gives them more to develop. When you would knock down, theoretically, when you knock down Nissan Stadium, at that point, then there would be more development closer to the river, which the mayor likes very much. Okay, so Nashville... Since I've been in the league and been, you know, I'd never been to Nashville until I started doing Texans games at Tennessee. How has Nashville changed, in your opinion, over the last 20 years? Well, it's a cosmopolitan, metropolitan, top 25 national city. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, that was the vision that the mayor had when he brought the Titans in and he brought the Predators in and he did some various things with industry that he did is he thought because of our location, like we drive from here four hours. We can fly anywhere out of Nashville, basically. You can get anywhere in the country out of Nashville, in essence, in four to five hours. 
and you can fly internationally now. And so, I mean, it's just – it's crazy. To, for somebody who's from there, I, I mean, Nashville wasn't as big as Memphis, and now Nashville dwarfs Memphis. Wow. And, it, and it's really just hard to believe from the mindset. Mike, you and I talked about this at the Senior Bowl, and I've been after Mark telling him that he's got to see this. Well, you were involved with a documentary uh, called More Than, a, More Than a Game, I think is what it was called, and it's about the legendary voices of the Southeastern Conference. And it is – it's every emotion. It's funny. It's informative. It is uh, emotional. I mean, it's really a great project. A, how did you get involved in that? And B, what did you think of the final product when it was done? And C, how much does the voice of the Texans have to see that? Well, I think he loves the craft as much as I do. I think he would enjoy it even if he doesn't know those people right. as well as I do because I grew up with them. Right. Uh, Kenny Chesney's production company did it. That's Tacklebox Productions. They had an idea for it. It was largely based on my mentor, John Ward, at the University of Tennessee. And they wanted to kind of take Larry Munson at Georgia and John Ward at Tennessee and show how different they were. And yet how beloved they were and how good they were at yep. their jobs. And yet they found all these other characters. Mm-hmm. Kaywood Ledford at Kentucky, Jack Crystal at Mississippi State, th- multiple announcers at Auburn. at Auburn and Alabama, and different people, different places. And – uh, so we got to talking about it, and um, I kind of got involved. I was not a I was not a producer or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but I did help them with some ideas and things like that because I knew these guys, and I think what they put together was really a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it just it just spoke to how much a voice of a team and the passion for that team in however it's disseminated. Well, and how, different, it's, and how different yes. everybody is. That yes. it's, a, it's a lot of personalities Very and it's cool. a lot of styles yep. and no one style is exactly. right. Exactly. Um, it's, it's really really a cool thing. Yeah. I'm fascinated with the history of radio, and this, this might be self-serving, but as far as play-by-play goes, I really believe the NFL is the number one thing, not only because of the sport, but because of NFL films mm-hmm. and the way our calls are put on the highlights that you see every week. And I just right. saw the mashup for the teams playing in Europe, and they use all the oh, local yeah. play-by-play guys, Dave Pash and Gene yeah. Deckerhoff and the rest of the guys. Fire uh, them cannons! Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's uh, – <laughs> are they going to fire the cannons in Europe? But, uh, fire them! They'll fire bring them. the cannons with them. When I see what happens over the years with the location of certain radio booths and things like that, that obviously bothers me. But it's a tremendous situation to be in right well, now. Well, you know, it was always the baseball guys. And yeah. I think the difference – you've hit it on the head. The difference is films. Mm-hmm. Films and social media kind of makes rock stars out of announcers now, whereas before it was all the baseball guys. It was right. always all the baseball yeah. guys. And uh, now it's it's quite different. So we're lucky to be a part of this. Yeah, I think the baseball thing and what, what the younger folk don't understand is that there was a day when the baseball games weren't on television. Right. Right, yeah. most of them. And you would listen to the radio guys. 100%. That was it. Yeah, we got the, we got the Cubs and the Braves where I lived, and yeah. that was it. And otherwise, you listened on the radio or you watched Monday Night Baseball or Tony Kubek and, and Joe yeah. Garagiola on, on Saturday afternoons. Oh, exactly. Mike, thanks a lot for being with us. Thanks for having me. There's Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans. One more segment for the week here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, and it's with J.P. Shadrick, National College football voice that also works for Jaguars.com. Our visit with him next on Texans Radio. 
final chapter from Indy for us here on Texans All Access, but we have plenty more on the Texans app and podcasts and articles and videos and all of it coming your way on social media, on all these platforms that we have like TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. Don't make me list them all. Make me introduce J.P. Shadrick, please, who works for Jaguars.com, also does play-by-play for college football nationally, and here's our visit with J.P. It's nice to be here in Indianapolis finally on Friday. its uh, I know I missed the, the big show earlier in the week, had some other stuff going on, and good to get in. for. I haven't been in here in like four years, so to see people again, I normally don't travel during NFL season, so I'm in Jacksonville, so seeing faces out on the road like you guys is great. JP, it's been a whirlwind for not only the Texans, but for the Jags. Yes. Urban Meyer experience lasted all of about three and a half months, maybe longer. The Doug Peterson experience seems like it's a much smoother ride. What say you a few weeks into his tenure? The interactions we've had with Doug have been um, incredibly positive. He's um, just a warm, open person, I think, first Mm -hmm. of all, and – I think you have to be careful with him in our role on Jaguars.com and Jags Media and Radio of not over-asking because, at least in the past in Philadelphia, he never said no to those kind of things. So uh, he's open to a lot of different ideas and things about covering the team, which from our perspective is fantastic. From a football perspective, the guy's done it at every level. He played. He was the backup for two Hall of Famers in Marino and Favre. Um, obviously went through the ranks as a coach, was a high school coach yeah. for a few years, and then worked his way through Andy Reid's system, and here you go. He's got a Super Bowl ring to go with it. But he also has that personality, at least so far that I've seen, he doesn't have to go prove it to you. Like, you know that he has success, and he knows what it's supposed to look and feel like, but he doesn't have to flash that ring all the time. It's just a sense of calm around him. He had his coaching staff hired in two weeks because he had started that process back in November before he even knew there was this job going to be open, and, you know, whatever, just in case. So the worry was, hey, he's going to be behind maybe? No. He's just fine. Everything's fine. Everything's calm. And I think that's calmed the owner's mind too because now they're not going to hire an executive vice president mm-hmm. after seeing him on the job for just a, a little while here. Yeah, it sounds kind of like the Texan situation with Lovey Smith where you just feel sort of stabilized with the whole thing yeah. and, and you have a veteran coach in there to run things. J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com with us. Trevor Lawrence, year two with Peterson. This could be a problem around the AFC South for the rest of us. So yeah. what do you make of what the offense is going to look like with Peterson at the helm? Now you know what it feels like. You're about to feel pain <laughs> for years, hopefully. We've been dealing with it for uh, decades. No, it's um, – he needs some help around him, obviously, to throw the football, too, first of all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been so much inconsistency at receiver the last few years, not just last year with Trevor, but that's an overall issue for the Jags. Um, and then you got to protect the guy. So that's the question. Hey, are they going to be able to figure out something with Cam Robinson or then draft David Neal, or is it going to be a defensive draft? That's all talk for the next month and a half. I think Hearing Doug talk about it, they're not scared to go back and look at that college tape a little bit more than I think Urban and that previous crew was wanting to put in there. Mm -hmm. A little more of the read option. Uses legs, mobility. I don't think they're scared of that as much. I think the last crew was scared of him just getting ripped and and lit up, and Mm -hmm. they didn't use that a whole lot. 
but it's his comfort zone. He he needs a little bit of that to mix it up. And at times when they played in that scheme last year, from time to time, he was successful. He got some – you don't want to do it all the time. So I think there's so many cooks in the kitchen now around Trevor. But it's all going to go back to Doug. He's going to be able to filter all that out, get Trevor's input on it as well, what he likes and doesn't like. I think you're going to see a mix of a few different things. And a lot of that might go back to the Clemson look too. Yeah. JP, not at number one potentially, and maybe it is at number one. What's the biggest need for the Jaguars going into 2022 and beyond? What's the biggest need? Is it someone for Trevor to throw the football to and have that consistent wide receiver weapon? Is it someone yeah. to protect him? Or is it somebody making plays on the defensive side, which – you know, Josh has made a few plays. I mean, Josh intercepted – Josh Allen intercepted Josh Allen last year, which was a cool moment. But have they gotten enough from <laughs> yeah. Josh Allen? Have they gotten enough from Caleb no. on Chase on? Where is the biggest need, in your opinion, on this team? To your point on Josh Allen, that was his best game and arguably the best game of his career. Yep. When he had the, the interception, he had a sack, he had a fumble recovery off Josh Allen against the Bills in a 9-6 to win. That doesn't wow. happen often in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, but you're the team that beat the Colts six nothing a few years ago. You got that late right. We are that team. We we can win, <laughs> you know, a shootout six nothing. We we can do that. Um, so th- that's one thing. Chase on, I don't think has lived up to the expectation. Obviously, as a first round pick, he was what twentieth overall. Yep. He just hasn't a been on the field a lot. B when he's out there, just doesn't have that explosion finish at least yeah maybe he can still grow into it mm-hmm. don't know um, I think the biggest need to answer your question though is a, 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 a consistent outside deep threat at wide receiver number one receiver DJ Chark could be that guy he's a free agent coming up it's 19 million dollars to franchise him that's a lot of cash for a guy who's went, gone to one pro bowl and he had a broken leg last year so okay um Beyond that, I mean, LaVisca Chenault hasn't been consistent catching the football. Had a bunch of drops last year. Hasn't been able to prove that he can separate down the field. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. was a nice addition, mm-hmm. but he's going into year 11. Yeah, He's not going to explode past anybody. He's, he's gonna, a great two. He's going to catch the football. Yeah, he's That's a great fine. two. I don't know that he is a, even a solid one, but he's a tremendous two. Possession guy, a yeah. guy you're – Third down, you need seven. Okay, yeah. you're going to run eight. He's going to catch it. It's He's going to have a catch. He's got a catch in like a hundred and something straight games. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. So, you know he's going to be there. But they don't have that playmaker. And you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Bills, they got guys that can outrun anybody and get open at any time. And that's really the biggest need. At number one overall, I don't know if they can do that, though, right. considering the prospects that are out there this year. But – Hey, number 33 overall, you can parlay that and move back up into the bottom of the first and get your, hopefully, a pick of some good uh, wide receivers there. There's J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com, and Touchdown Radio National College Football Radio Guy. That's going to do it for our Combine radio shows here from Indianapolis, but we'll have plenty more to talk about next week, plenty more audio from this week, videos on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans!